Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 74 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the411mania.com website, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review. Joining me today is my co-host and partner in crime, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you this evening? Hello. I am well. I'm ready to talk about Jim Ross. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Jim Ross impression on this show and forget names and just not care. Oh boy, <laughs> Jim Ross, yeah. Okay. Jim Ross is in rare form. To, I mean, he's been in rare form for a lot of nights, but man, he just sounded like he did not give a fuck tonight. All right, well, hang on, we're gonna go to break. No, 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 we're not. <laughs> oh we're my gonna stay here. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, he did that twice. At least. Ugh. Yeah, that, oof, it was a rough night for Jim Ross. Good old JR. But yeah, we're talking AEW Dynamite, we're talking NXT TV, and then we're going to preview what we know is scheduled for TLC on Sunday this uh, this evening, Jeremy. So we will start off with AEW Dynamite, as always, and let's see here, and of course, my fucking keyboard doesn't want to work, so I'm just going to hang on a second here, and I'll get it to work any second, I don't know why it does that, it's doing it to piss me off. Anyway, we're start with AEW Dynamite for December 11th, uh, 2019. By the way, today is my wedding anniversary. Happy wedding anniversary. How long have you been married, Larry? 20 years, brother. I'm so sorry. Uh, you know my wife. You know it's a good thing. <laughs> Means I've been that I know, sweet you're... for 20 years. Yes, you're, that's that's very true. That's that is a very good thing. Uh, yes, your your wife is lovely, and you have two lovely daughters and some cats. So I'm happy that you have been married for for 20 years. I hope I can achieve 20 years at least myself. But I feel like I'll make it eight and then just give up. Fair enough. I know I've outlasted like all of our friends in college that got married around the same time. Like most of them were out in like five years. So I'm feeling pretty good. Anyway, back to AEW. Start <laughs> off with uh, John Moxley arriving through the crowd to face Alex Reynolds in our opener. And I will give you a complete recap of this match. Moxley comes down. He enters the ring. The bell rings. Knee Trembler, Dirty Deeds, and it's over. Thanks for coming, Alex Reynolds. Good payday for you, brother. That was a great match. So uh, his tag team partner, John Silver, entered the ring after the match, and he ate a DDT as well. And So, you know, hey, good for you guys on the easy payday. That led to Le Champion Chris Jericho and the Inner Circle arriving, Jeremy. Uh, Jericho says, told about Moxley to be cool. He said if they were going to jump him, they would have already done it. Put Moxley over, talked about their long history dating back about 10 years. Said Jericho gave him advice back in the day, helped him out. They became enemies. They beat the shit out of each other. And, uh, you know, he helped them become a star. And then years later, he navigated uh, him to AEW, and Moxley thanked him by laying him out when he debuted. Uh, he said that shows that Moxley's still an asshole and a winner, but that he also still needs Jericho. 
He said, what if we joined forces? And he offered Moxley a spot in the inner circle, even had a shirt for him. Said He said, take some time to talk it over with your lovely wife and her mother, who I've both met, and we'll be waiting for you. And, you know, take your time over the holidays. He then carefully laid the shirt on his shoulders to make sure Moxley didn't beat his ass, and uh, the inner circle bailed without touching Moxley. Your thoughts on our overall opening match and interview segment? I mean, the opening match was just Moxley killing a guy, and I'm all for that. I like when Moxley kills people. Um, the interview segment was very NWO with, you know, the T-shirt offer. I guess maybe even Bullet Club. Um, But, yeah, it was very – it actually reminded me of Kenny Omega offering Jay White the the Bullet Club spot. And then, of course, White took it and hit him with the Blade Runner afterwards. Uh, But the the T-shirt stuff is – the joke is that they're a t-shirt company so of course they would use a t-shirt to advance this storyline i i like that jericho wants him on his side jericho is a smart man despite sometimes coming off like a, a self-absorbed uh a, a douchebag but he is a smart man he knows moxley is better with him than against him and they the next pay-per-view, as we found out, wasn't announced. It's going to be at the end of February, like the last Saturday in February, maybe even the last day in February. And like that's a lot of time. You've got two months to to build that thing. If you're going to do Jericho and Moxley, you got two months. You you gotta you gotta slow burn this. So you can't just have them brawling immediately, attacking immediately, and all this stuff. You got to do a little bit of a slow burn here. So I, I like the segment overall. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, and the other thing, too, is like people are like, oh, why are they wanting to? Why does Jericho want to align? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it, it's it's a classic heel move because obviously Jericho is afraid of this man who's running wild on the promotion and killing people in five seconds. He has no desire to face this man. So try to bring him into your inner circle where he will literally into your inner circle where he will uh, not challenge you. It makes sense. I, I thought it came off well. I also like that, that Jericho smartly brought up their history together because obviously the people that watch are going to know they have a history together. And he did it without a bunch of WWE references or WWE jokes or anything. Like, he made a quick reference to uh, hitting Moxley with crockery, which was uh, the Mitch DePlant gimmick and stuff like that. But, like, it wasn't like a beat you over the head. Hey, we feuded in WWE. WWE sucks. We're AEW, blah, blah, blah. So I appreciated that. Uh, I thought it was a good start to the show. And I also liked that it was a good way to start a show with a promo without starting a show with a promo, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. I thought the same thing that, okay, it feels like a promo thing, but it's not because technically they did start with a match. So I I like that they they switched that up a little bit. And Moxley looked like a fucking superstar coming through the crowd at the beginning. Those people were amped up to see him, too. Moxley always comes off as a superstar. Like, this guy just is a superstar. So, really enjoyed that. We got a video package hyping the Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz Texas Street Fight main event. Got a PWG. Little, yeah, a lot of PWG footage in there with Excalibur talking about their gorilla, crazy guerrilla warfare matches and stuff like P-D- that. PWG makes it onto uh, TNT. Suck it, ROH. Yeah. That's actually really cool when you think about it, too. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's good publicity. Hopefully for PWG, I mean they just they're still running DVD stuff, so I don't know how much they really care about it, but that's cool for them. Next up was The Butcher and The Blade making their in-ring debut versus Cody and QT Marshall. Um, 
The Butcher and the Blade ended up winning in 11 minutes and 10 seconds via pin. Uh, I found this to be surprisingly good. Um, they had, It's not that I think anybody is awful, awfully bad or anything in this match, but you had the Butcher and the Blade making their national TV debut, so there could be a lot of nerves there. Cody's obviously been really good. QT Marshall's been a dude I've had like no time for over the years. Just He's a dude, you know what I mean? And I thought he actually did really well here. I thought Cody was fired up. They had a good crowd for it. I thought the Butcher and the Blade delivered in their TV uh, debut there in the ring. And, I mean, the heels winning the first match is pretty much always your right call because it makes the most sense because if the babyface wins right away, what the fuck are you supposed to do after that? It's like it's over. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Like, I, I don't think I liked it quite as much as you. Uh, a couple of things that stood out to me that I, I didn't like is he's gonna QT QT Marshall's using the crossroads and it's like why it's just dumb they're gonna turn the crossroads into a super kick or a cutter uh pretty soon like Cody did that springboard cutter and okay it's a near fall I mean I don't know why I'd bother to rant about that stuff anymore but yeah it's just don't don't use the cross like not everyone needs to use this. Q- QT Marshall doesn't need to use this. I-, I thought that was just kind of dumb to have that in the match. And then QT Marshall does his, like, it, it looked really cool, the little springboard uh, flip thing that he, he did. He was trying know. a sauce case special that came off really rough looking. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, as I was saying, it looked cool. The problem is he completely missed it, and it, it, it looked terrible. Um, though the, the idea was great. The execution, not so much. And then at the very end, and this is a minor nitpick, but it's still, like, I don't get it. Cody is taken out on the near side of the ring. They hit their little finisher on, on QT Marshall. And then at the end of the match, Cody is on the far side of the ring. Like, where did he go? Did he crawl around the entire ring to, to get over there? And if so, like, why why didn't he try to get into the ring to break things up? I just, I didn't, I, I don't know whose fault that is. I, probably Cody's for just not having the, the recognition to, you know, be where he was supposed to be there. Because he was he was obviously supposed to end up at the far side for the Darby thing. But that, like, that was just a little, all right, it comes, it might be minor, but you got to pay attention to these things. Um, but otherwise, like it was better than I thought it was going to be because I don't know much about anything about the butcher and the blade. And I don't think QT Marshall is like great. Cody is great. And like the crowd is into him no matter what. And that certainly helps that the crowd really loves Cody. Definitely. Yeah. I thought it was good overall. Again, I'm not saying it was great, but, uh, I thought it was good. Uh, I thought the the other thing too is like you said too is like yeah the crowd was really into it because they pretty much love everything Cody does and as you mentioned Darby Allen arrived after the match and came down and shook hands with Cody so it looks like he will be a friend for Cody which obviously Cody needs friends and this was the match where Jim Ross just had no damn time for the butcher and the blade Excalibur is trying to like introduce these guys and Jim Ross is like it's the butcher it's the blade and you could here you could just hear Excalibur just being why in the fuck did this guy cut me off to say that and they kept confusing Allie they kept calling they called her Allie and they're like oh which is the bunny like they the the commentary was it was kind of a, a mess during this and all over the place yeah it's one of those weird instances with Ross because like you can tell when he's not into something because it's not just like he sounds uninterested he comes across with like fucking disdain in his voice 
It's um, that, and it's like the passive aggressiveness, especially when Excalibur is trying to explain things. Like job. Ross is, <laughs> yeah, like Ross is very passive aggressive with with his comments, and it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, we we get what level you're on right now, Jim. Yeah, fucking, yeah, it, it becomes very annoying with Jim Ross at times. At least he's, at, at least some of the stuff he's not doing anymore, like the constant, like, and again, not that it's not a fair assessment, but like. Listen, dude, if somebody's not holding a tag rope, just fuck off about it. Don't make a big deal about it and bitch about it, because nobody else is really going to notice. But yeah, he's yeah. he's so fucking weird sometimes. I don't know. I'd, I'd be fine with Excalibur and Tony, but yeah. So uh, then uh, MJF and the Wardlow came to the ring. Uh, MJF mocked a ringside dude for laughing uh, when Cody made fun of MJF's bad crossroads the other week. He made him kiss the ring and then laid him out with the crossroads and then asked, uh, basically said, hey, is that better, Cody? Did that look good? So MJF... It did. uh, Yeah, it did, by the way. It looked a lot better. (laughs) Uh, MJF put over Cody but said he's better. Um, You know, don't throw rocks at a man with a machine gun. He heard Cody's offer last week, but he doesn't need his crap or his money. What he does need is for Cody to suffer. Said Cody called him a knockoff Jericho, and then he ran down Cody for being the one that's fake and having a shitty little lisp. And then he even busted out like a suffering succotash to make fun of him there. He said, uh, Cody won't do anything tonight because he wants to face him so badly. He won't get him fired. And he asked the fans if they wanted MJF versus Cody. And he said, well, you guess what? Cody's on, but there's going to be stipulations, but he wasn't going to share them here at Honkyville, USA. Instead, he will give them to us, um, in Jacksonville. So he knew Cody was watching and, uh, he needs to realize that MJF is the one in control now. Your thoughts? Yeah, Cody was watching. He was literally just at ringside. Like, they probably ran into each other on their way backstage. Um, Cody might have been skateboarding with his new friend Darby Allen. I guess so. I, I actually think I like that uh, that story of, of Cody. Because Cody apparently doesn't have friends, even though, like, the elite are there. And, his like, his brother cares more about the young bucks than he does Cody, apparently. Like, th- this whole Cody has no friend storyline is kind of dumb if i'm being honest just because like they're not that wrapped up in other stuff like they they can't come out and and help cody it's it's kind of stupid but anyway uh the darby allen thing yeah they we know cody has a pool it's winter drain the pool let darby skate brandy's into some weird cult shit now so darby should fit right in there brand (laughs) darby be a great house guest i think um I, I liked MJF's promo. He's really good. Like he, he's really, really good. It maybe a tad too long. It just felt a little long, but all the all the content was good. So I can't even say that like it was over. It was so long that I just stopped turning out because it wasn't. It just it just felt a little bit long. I felt uh, they could have trimmed a couple things out of it. Uh, I like how AEW can get shots in at WWE without getting shots in at WWE or just referencing WWE. I don't even know if the suffering succotash thing was like a direct shot. I mean, we know uh, who, who says uh, yo not Yosemite Sam uh, Sylvester. Sylvester has the lisp and everything, but it's also the Roman Reigns thing. And Jericho did the did the same thing with kind of referencing WWE without referencing WWE. Uh, but yeah, MJF's promo really good, and uh, we'll see what the the stipulation is in a couple of weeks. 
That's right. Time for your favorite part of the show, Jeremy. We got a Dark Order oh. video package. Yeah. Alex Reynolds, um, who lost in our opener, was sitting in his hotel room being all sad and watching the Hotel Infomercial channel. And uh, basically, it turned into a Dark Order infomercial asking if he was sick of being a loser and shit like that. And it was a nice little touch. Alex Reynolds was on his phone and he was looking at like match results. It looked like cage match and it was like a list of defeats for him and his tag team and shit like that. So that played well into that. And basically, it was a recruitment uh, angle kind of for him. And John Silver arrived and asked him who he was talking to. So Dark Order trying to recruit and grow, Jeremy. Uh, they need to find better people. These geeks, I don't know, but I do like the the Dark Order stuff. And this was a another cool video package, and they it looked like they got like a nice little logo and stuff now too. So I don't recall that in previous weeks. So yeah, I Dark Order stuff's awesome. Yeah, it's going along well. I like it, and um, it's it, it's a good. They didn't kill anybody this week though, so that's a you know your mileage may vary there, but. You can't you can't kill everybody every week. I, I mean, don't know. I know Lucha Moxley. Underground did really good in the last season, though. <laughs> eh, Moxley kind of does it, I guess. <laughs> but you know, uh, you gotta you gotta save some people. You can't just murder everyone. That's right. Uh, we went back to the ring for women's action. Big Swole defeated Emmy Sakura in ten minutes and forty seconds via pin. I thought that they had a perfectly solid wrestling match. I thought the pairing was smart because Emi Sakura is way more experienced than Big Swole. So that made a lot of sense. Big Swole recently signed, so her win made sense. But I thought it went a little too long because I felt the final couple minutes, it was like really fading out and felt slightly aimless at points. But solid overall. Nothing horribly wrong with it. I just think you could have trimmed it a little bit. I, I thought it was... Yeah, I thought it was good. My my issue remains the same with the women's division is I heard there was a, a great big swole video package on AEW Dark. I've not watched AEW Dark. It was I, a great video package, I will tell you that. Yeah, I believe it. Like everyone has said it's a great video package. The, the problem is not everyone is watching AEW Dark. Like I my gripe with AEW Dark is that like I don't feel a lot of those matches matter. I, I'm sure some of them are very good and I, I know who wins them and I don't like wrestle watch from wrestling after I like know the spoilers and the results and stuff. It's it's very tough for me to get into when I'm like, okay, I know this person's going going to win um i'm sure the video package was great put it on television like just let me know who big swole is right now she's just debuting on dynamite and her record shows up with uh one win i think or no wins i don't did she did she wrestle on dark as well before the video on dark before yeah no i know she's wrestled on dark but did she win this past week i i can't even remember which is sad because it was just yesterday but Okay, so it, she either has one win or no win. So she's either like one and four or zero oh and four or something. Either way, her record's not good. And then here she comes. She comes out here and she just beats the the number two person in the division. And this is, I I think I should give up on thinking these records matter. I, I think it is holding my enjoyment for the the product back. And I, I'll talk about it a little bit more later. But it's just they put these records out there. They say they matter. I truly don't think they do. And I think it's a, honestly I, I think it's a detriment to have these records on screen because 
as I've said before, you got a lot of 50-50 stuff. You got people in the top 10 who shouldn't be in the top 10. It's just, I, I don't think the, they, they're adding anything to the product right now. I don't disagree. And we talked about this way before they even kicked everything off that the win-loss record thing in theory is a good idea because you can do a lot with it. But you also, if you're going to do it, you really have to play into it and make it matter. And, I mean, you watch every week and you're feeling like it doesn't matter. And I've seen a lot of other people say it as well. So it's not just you. So, I I mean, maybe it's just one of those things that they're working out the kinks here in the first how many ever episodes we're getting here, 12 before they take the break. And they're allegedly resetting them at the beginning of the year. Maybe it'll be better. I don't know. But I largely agree with you. I don't think it's helping. Which I think basically if you're doing something on TV and it's not helping, it's essentially hurting it. Because you're not adding to anything. And um, yeah, on the Swole video package, that's another reason I would have shortened this match. I would have shortened this match by about two minutes or so. And I would have aired that video package before the match. Because number one, it's really fucking good. Number two, it's the kind of thing they should be running on this show, like personality profiles. And again, to go back to your point, which is my number three, is like, who the fuck is Big Swole? And I'm not doing I'm not doing that like to be an asshole in one of those internet memes, what's a Big Swole, why should I care type things. But why should the people watching the show care who she is? You know, you need introductory video packages like that. So I... uh I really think they missed the mark not showing that on Dynamite. It was really, really good. Yeah, I again, that's what I heard, but I didn't see it. So Big Soul got a good reaction. It's clear that the the crowd likes her, like the AEW crowd likes her, and I think that's a good thing. Um, but if you're if you're looking to build more than just your AEW crowd like you you've got to introduce this stuff cuz I don't think the AEW crowd's really going anywhere so you're you're good there you've got to I know Cody is like, you know, we want to cater to our hardcore fan base and, and go after the lapsed fan and, uh, you know, the casuals. We can try to get them as best we can, but it's like, okay, your hardcore fan base is going to be there. Like, they're going to defend just about any fucking thing you do. It's in my mentions all the time. Like, you, you can't criticize this company without somebody being in your mentions. Like, the hardcore fan base is fine. Just like WWE, the hard... You don't have to worry about the hardcore fan base. You got to worry about attracting the the new fans or the lapsed fans or, or whatever. Agreed. Yeah, and uh, on Swole too. Yeah, it's like, yeah, the hardcore audience is going to know who she is, and they're going to appreciate her, and that's going to help on TV. Like if you're turning in and you've never seen AEW, and you see somebody that's over, that always helps, even if you don't know who they are, because well, the crowd likes them. Maybe I'll give them a chance. Type of thing. But again, also, if you're airing a video package like they aired on um, AEW Dark, that also goes a long way. Because again, if people don't know who the fuck people are, you need to learn. But yeah, she definitely, she has she has a good look. She has good charisma. She's definitely athletic. I bought died because she's done it before when she did her little James Brown spot. Yeah. She stole the mic stand from Emmy Sakura. Yeah. Yeah, she's done that before. and But she just, um, she's a ton of fun. And she has, um... Uh, I don't know, like best way. It's like she has like a like an infectious infectious smile as well. 
You know what I mean? Just a lot of little things going for, but like, and those are all great. But again, you need more than that. You need to air those videos and stuff. So, but we're to be beating that drum for a while, probably, Jeremy. Well, hopefully, the beginning of the year, they they reset, they they see kind of what works and stuff. I mean, they got they got the week off for Christmas. Maybe they can figure you know, tweak some things. I was promised we would get like some analytics and some advanced stats. Like, where's that stuff? I I, I need some advanced stats. Mookie Ghana is too busy hat shopping. Yeah, what the fuck, Mookie? Like, I, I need my advanced stats. I know. Uh, we got a uh, pack um, interview backstage that he came to AEW to dominate, but he's been disrespected, and he wants his rematch slash rubber match with Kenny Omega, or basically, or else he's gonna bring hell to everybody. So he was not in a great mood. He's he's a bastard, in fact. I like this interview. It was good. Oh, I know. Yeah, but I I love like just fucking surly Pac. He looks like he's never been happy a day in his life. Yeah, pretty much. So. Which, I mean, if your nickname is The Bastard, I mean, you're probably going to be miserable most of the time. Yeah. So uh, Next up, we had a tag match with a little inset promo from Tully Blanchard teasing that he was looking for a tag team partner for God. Sean Spears, which is why he was teaming with Kip Sabian tonight against Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Kenny Omega and Adam Page defeated Kip Sabian and Sean Spears. 11.30 via pin, Jeremy. Your thoughts? I try to like everything in wrestling there are plenty of storylines and things i don't like if there is one storyline that i just can already tell i'm going to hate it is sean spears search for a partner who could possibly care about this guy who would want to be this guy's partner either like he did the I didn't like any of this. I, I like the Omega and Hangman stuff. Selfish Hangman Page is awesome. Uh, you know, they, they keep mentioning he, he left the elite and everything, but he's still teaming with Omega. Um, so, but he's looking out for number one right now. I, I like that kind. Of, I like that stuff. I think that's good. Uh, the Sean Spears stuff, Kip Sabian, what, whatever. I don't, I don't know much about Kip Sabian outside of he's super bad, whatever that means. Um, and. <laughs> Tully Blanchard's not by Spears' side to start the match, and he just kind of looks around. He's like, "Ah, oh, okay. Guess I'm just coming out down here alone." Like, d- do you not care that much? Like, you-, you talk up this dude, and then you're just whatever. You don't seem to care, and then Tully is tied up poorly, I might add, by Joey Janela. Someone needs to get him in Boy Scouts to tie some knots. Um, <laughs> but and so, so then he goes off and he leaves his partner, and Kip Sabian loses and. I, I just I just can't care about Sean Spears and anything he does. I feel bad for Joey Janela that he's stuck in this nonsense. Yeah, it, like I think Spears is a perfectly solid worker, but there's nothing that makes me want to care about the guy, which is kind of the big problem. Um, I Let's be that- honest they 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 pigeonholed him into the spot he's going to be in when they had Cody beat him. If he beats Cody, it proves he's a, a like a main event guy and maybe you can push him a little bit. He lost to Cody and everything Cody said about him, that he's just a solid hand is 100% accurate. Basically. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to refute that. So 
I thought technically, like the 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 work in the match was good. Um, I you know Sabian, Omega, and Paige did a lot of really good stuff together. And you brought up the whole thing at the end was uh, Kenny Omega ends up running wild after Janela appears with a tied up Tully Blanchard. Spears runs him off. He leaves his partner. Uh, Kenny Omega looking for the win hits the V trigger and uh, Snapdragon, and then Adam Page just tags himself in, hits the Buckshot Lariat for the win. Uh, there was also points in the match too, like early on, where um, like they would do double teams, and then like Kenny Omega was all fired up and happy because he's like, "Yay, tag team wrestling!" and he's like, "Double high fives, Hangman!" and Adam Page was like, "Nah, dude, I'm just gonna go to Hayburn. I'm good." So uh, yeah, definitely think that uh, they laid the groundwork and teases for the Adam Page heel turn coming up. Yeah, I yeah I like the the Hangman and Omega stuff. I think that's good. I do not care about anything Sean Spears does. Yeah. Uh, speaking of not caring, Brandy Rhodes cut a really stupid oh promo my about God. the women's division. Blah, 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 blah. Riho Small. Britt Baker's a dentist and has a boyfriend. Blah, blah, blah. She still wants Chris Statlander in her little group, and she had a creepy new bald person sitting in a chair. This, this was so dumb. Dumb. I get it sets up Statlander and, and Baker for next week a little bit. But the dumb part about this was like it was clearly a pre-tape and they somehow left in this bit of, oh, and she has a boyfriend. I know I talk about my husband. <laughs> what? You clearly just like refuted your own point by like bringing up that she has this boyfriend and then you're you're like, oh, well. Oh yeah, I know you're gonna say that I talk about my husband, but we've been married for this long. Like, okay, like why does that make it any better? Like they're in love just as much as you guys are in love. Like it's it, this promo was not good I at have, all. I have no time for the Brandy Rhodes stuff. I will to, on a positive note, I will say something positive in closing. Brandy Rhodes is a very pretty lady. Yeah. I don't know who her little bald dude is. Uh, maybe that's what's in Eric Rowan's cage as well. This Brandy Colt thing sucks. Yeah, not good. Uh, Chris Jericho and Jake Hagar uh, ran out to take over commentary. They joined JR, kicking out Excalibur. And as uh, Jericho reminded us, Skiavone, because uh, Excalibur was making fun of him for using Lexicon last week. And Skiavone has been giving him trouble for 25 years. Which I did laugh at, and the fact that he still does the ski of own thing. That's all. Uh, just a little, little little throwback stuff that makes me laugh. So he was out and for... Jericho's a throwback, uh, just a throwback person altogether. Yeah. So that leads us to our next match they were out doing commentary for, which was the Luchasaurus defeating Sammy Guevara in six and a half minutes via pin. Uh, they had a solid little wrestling match. Luchasaurus uh, looking a little slow. I don't really think he's fully recovered yet. Uh, Sammy always, uh, working hard, looks really good in everything he does, but lost again, unfortunately. The whole thing was to set up a post-match brawl and stuff so that they could set up, um, the match next week with Jungle Boy and Jericho. And that's fine. It, it was, it was solid. It wasn't bad. It's just, you have Sammy losing again, and it's one of those things to where it's like, obviously you don't want Luchasaurus losing already, so you need to put someone else out there instead of having Sammy lose again, because... Sammy feels like he's 0 and 100 at this point. And he pretty much is. Um, at least I don't think he's won a singles match. He got some tag victories with Jericho. But 
I thought Sammy's offense looked kind of rough. Like even in the the inset, like he did some spinning heel kick that just didn't look too great, and some of the the top rope stuff didn't really connect. Uh, yeah, and Luchasaurus, as you said, looked kind of slow. I, I didn't really care for this match. It was a backdrop to set up the the post match stuff. Sammy, I, I obviously I see big potential in him. I think he is. A really well-rounded performer and he's young and he's someone you can uh potentially build around long term right now he's brandon cutler and that was kind of confirmed in the main event so if you just look at sammy as brandon cutler then hey he's he's doing his job just fine if you look at sammy as someone with potential who you should maybe protect a little bit more then it is upsetting yeah, and that's again where the the wins and loss things comes in because you're constantly reminded he's that he's a big loser. Yeah, and they, like you know they're trying to say back on the the wins and loss stuff like they're trying to say oh some wins are more important than others and like that's how you move up the rankings and title shots and stuff like I don't think a win against Sammy Guevara is meaningful in any way right now. Honestly, I don't think any of the wins on, on this show outside of uh, Big Swole and the main event, like Moxley beating uh, nobodies doesn't matter. Uh, Blade and the Butcher beating QT Marshall. I know Cody was in the match, but so maybe that helps a little bit, but beating QT Marshall doesn't matter. L- beating listen, Kit just because Moxley scheduled Appalachian State in the opener doesn't make him a bad guy, okay? <laughs> like, they're just beating guys who always lose anyway, so that that's fine, but it, this is the thing with, with the record stuff. Like, if you just don't tell me these guys are 0-6 and, and are 1-5, then I'm more apt to just be like, all right, cool, he, he beat someone really quickly. Instead, you're reminding me that this guy's already a loser, so what's it matter if he beats him? Yeah. Uh, during the little post-match brawl, they did a gimmick part where uh, Jungle Boy cradled uh, Jericho and Marco stunt counted the visual pin as the big hype for next week, which Jericho was greatly ranting about afterwards that it didn't count. Yeah, and we found out. I mean, we had a we were confused as fuck last week over is this a title match? What is well, going because on? They it- weren't clear last week. That's why we were confused. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, but don't tell that to Cody. Cody was like, it was made clear. Like, dude. No, it wasn't. Like, it said on your website he had to defend the title, so it clearly was not clear, because we both pay attention to this show, and we could not figure it out. Uh, it's a 10-minute challenge. It's it's a non-title match. It's a 10-minute challenge, so nobody can complain about records since Jungle Boy doesn't have a win, and people still try it. Like, this is the, the thing with defending AEW. People were still like, well, the champion challenged him, so who cares about records? Like, okay, cool. Then don't tell me records are a big deal. If the champion can just challenge anybody once fuck good for the champion i'd be challenging jungle boy and marco stunt and all these losers as well fuck actually defending the title against someone good yeah it's yeah but it was not clear cody sorry brother was no not. It, it it wasn't at all because like, last docked. week we talked about it heavily last week i thought it was going to be a 10 minute challenge because that's what it felt like. But then again, to you, it felt more like they were setting up a title match, which I, I, going back and watching the segment, I fully understood afterwards why you would think that, because it was not clear in any fucking way possible. Yeah, and then we checked the website, and it said he was forced to defend the title one more time this year. So when's he defending the title? 
it, it wasn't clear at all. I, I don't care what Cody says. I'm glad it got even on Dark. I heard that Tony Schiavone said it was a title match. Um, so maybe Schiavone was fucking confused. Everybody was confused, dude. Uh, so they then announced on February 29th, AEW will return to pay-per-view with Revolution in Chicago, which is when they're doing the uh, the video game convention dealy that weekend. I love Chicago. Yeah. Um, I feel that they missed out on not calling the pay-per-view Lethal Leap Year. <laughs> that would have been a good name. So, But yeah, going back to Chicago because they're already doing the, uh, the video game dealy. So uh, obviously not running the Sears Center. They're running a smaller venue, so... Uh, with the convention in town and stuff like that, I'm pretty sure they fill the building because it's not huge or anything. But uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't have gone back to Chicago, but it makes sense now why uh, MLW moved their uh, February 28th show or 29th show. Oh yeah, they did push their shit back, so yeah, they should have just ran joint show. Yeah. They got crossover talent. There you go. Uh, they announced next week Adam Page and Kenny Omega will face the Lucha Brothers, Jericho versus Jungle Boy in the 10-minute challenge, and Dr. Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander in a number one contenders match. The the Britt, like, I'm fine with the, the Hangman, Omega, the tag team match is good. The Jericho match we, we've talked about. The Baker-Statlander one is a little odd because, again, if you're going by rankings, they're the four and five ranked contenders. So... Yeah. Why like why are they facing in a number one contender match? And I guess it's because uh like Sheeta's number one and she just lost and but still like she's, she's still ranked number, number one. one. Yeah. yeah, she should she should be in this match, I feel like, to to get the title shot. Nyla is, is second, so why is it for the rest of the year? Well, the okay, I guess uh, she got suspended for the rest of 2018, Larry, not 2019. <laughs> um, all right, at least that does make sense of, of why she isn't there. Emmy just lost, so I assume she's going to get dropped down in the rankings. Uh, I hope, I really, really hope that Emmy gets dropped to um, fifth, and because Baker is fourth and and Statlander is fifth, so if you have Baker at three and Statlander at four. Okay. It makes a little more sense since Nyla suspended, but Sheeta is like, why isn't she in this match? She was shown ringside watching the big swole match too. She's chilling out at ringside, uh, which is, I guess their gimmick instead of having them stand awkwardly backstage and looking at the monitor. At a w- very weird angle. Yeah. They're, they're trying to prevent neck injuries through that. <laughs> Yeah, everyone's just got – they just reserve a couple of seats ringside and then just uh, chauffeur in whoever is important for the match to, to be viewing it. So the main event was the Texas Street Fight between the Young Bucks, Santana, and Ortiz, which was also announced as a number one contenders match with the winners facing SCU next week for the tag titles. Which is fine. They're both the – these are the top two teams on the power rankings thing, so that's cool. Uh, so Texas Street Fight started off with the uh, big brawl at the beginning with Santana Ortiz tacking. Uh, Brandon Cutler, uh, Sammy Guevara was out with him. Brandon Cutler tried to even the odds. He got killed via powerbomb through the stage. Um, they beat the shit out of each other. We got a big swanton table spot up there on the ramp um, with uh, Nick and stuff. They eventually worked into the ring. SCU was at ringside. Uh, so basically... Went 14 and a half minutes. The Young Bucks defeated Santana and Ortiz. I thought it was a really good plunder-style brawl that played the stipulation well. 
Um, and then, like, in the middle of the match, uh, Jake Hager got involved. Dustin ran him off. So it advances that match, which they seem to be building to after Hager broke his arm. Um, so I thought it was really good. But I don't think it was, like, perfectly done by any means because... I think that the Bucks win would have meant a lot more if Santana and Ortiz hadn't already lost to Private Party the other week. And I also felt it was a little too soon to give the Young Bucks their win back over Santana and Ortiz. It feels too soon for the Young Bucks to kind of just be challenging for the titles. Like, remember when they had lost... um, they lost to um, they lost to the Lucha Bros, and they they lost to Santana and Ortiz, and they lost the Private Party in the first round of the tournament, and now they're like challenging. Like, who have the Young Bucks beaten outside of Santana and Ortiz? I, I really don't recall any of their wins. Um, I know they had a win or two on Dark, but again, okay. that's not really explaining it to the regular fan who doesn't watch Dark. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. It, it, like I I get it. They're the Young Bucks. They're the the most popular tag team in the division. I don't feel I don't I don't know if they're gonna win the titles. Maybe SCU ends up beating them, but it felt like you had something early with Santana and Ortiz, and then putting them in in the inner circle seemed like a big boost. And then like they're losing a private party. Now they're they lost this number one contenders bout, and it's like okay. It's the Young Bucks. It's cool, but I, it, it's not something that really excites me because it seemed like, it, you know, the Young Bucks are saying like, oh yeah, we tell Tony like we want to lose and we want to lose, and so who like who's pushing them then? Tony, Tony, and I guess Tony wants to push them. Like fine, but. Eh. I don't know the the young buck stuff. Like I I have a bigger issue with that than like Cody doing it because like Cody gets these like monster reactions, like the biggest star on the show. The young bucks and, and I don't know if there's like that kind of depth at the the single spot as there is at the the tag team spot because there's really no one hotter than Cody. Like Santana and Ortiz felt hotter than the young bucks. Private Party when they beat them felt hot, and the young bucks are just like they're hot because they're the young bucks. They're not like actually hot to me. I think that's fair. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think the match with SCU will be really good, possibly great, because they've worked together a ton. But again, like I said, I, I just think it was too too soon for them to get their win back over Santana and Ortiz. I just, uh, and again, I, I, I still, and everybody's like, well, it was a tribute match for their friends and blah, blah, blah. I still didn't like Private Party beating Santana and Ortiz, and this is, this kind of just really reaffirms that to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I'm with you. Like this would have felt bigger if Santana and Ortiz were undefeated, and if they were undefeated, I probably just wouldn't have said, "Well, just have them fucking win this match and give them the title shot." Yeah, which would have made sense. So that was AEW Dark for the week. We'll talk overall show quality a little later when we do our head-to-head comparison, Jeremy. We need now need to move on to. NXT TV, also for December 11th, 2019. Started off with a video package, kind of recapping everything for tonight's main event. Adam Cole interrupted. Said uh, tonight's main event was a joke because none of these guys have earned their shot and the winner is only punching a ticket for them to lose to him next week. Opening match. Agreed with Adam Cole. Well, I mean, Adam Cole speaks the truth. 
<laughs> uh, first up, NXT Cruiserweight Championship match. Angel Garza defeated Leah Rush in 15-15 via submission, Jeremy. Your thoughts, sir? This match fucking ruled. Um, I love this match. I, I like the the intricacies with the the kind of counters because they they know each other, they studied each other, they wrestled each other, so they they kind of knew what was coming and everything. Uh, Garza with the ripping off the pants to get out of shit like the this match had just a little bit of everything. Leo Rush is is great. He's always been great. I'm glad that he seems to be sort of over the the attitude stuff um, and whatnot because he's done awesome in NXT and Angel Garza like that guy looks like a star carries himself like a star he, he's very much cruiserweight andrade which i mean andrade is kind of a cruiserweight but he he is just a guy that just has that star quality about him and yeah the, this match i can't say enough good things about it i'm fine with the the title switch because uh, the, leo rush had a, a nice little run but uh, I, I hate to say this i don't think titles are like that important in NXT, at least not the the cruiserweight title yet. It, it just fe- it feels like a title that's just going to be like okay, any given wrestler can beat any given wrestler on on any given night, and that's okay. Like I'm I'm fine with that title. It, it does feel like a title of hey, this is the best cruiserweight, and he could potentially lose on this night instead of because all of these guys are that good. Instead of like all right, we need to establish a real dominant champion to to get this title established and stuff. So I I think it works for the cruiserweight division i'm fine with the title change too because the the big thing with leo was the fact that he kind of got a redemption story because the nxt fans are your more your online fans and they knew that he he was having troubles and he was out for a while and he came back to like a hero's welcome he got the big title win he got some run with it he did really well and he's i mean he seems to be back and happy and everything and i think that's great and uh, yeah i thought this was a great opener Thought both guys were great here. The crowd was into it. It had a really good intensity playing off of their established feud already. And uh, we got the big title change. Excuse me. And um, thought it was a really great way to kick off the show. Because it was not just great action, but it kind of felt like, hey, this was important. We built to this. Here's your title change. Yeah. I. This was a great, great, great opener. And uh, spoiler, my favorite match on the night. There you go. Uh, we got a Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler video package, and there's going to be a Prime Target special next Tuesday. The last Prime Target special was for uh, Tyler Bate and Volter, and it was fucking awesome, so I'm actually looking forward to that. These video packages, they did one on, on Rhea later on and stuff. They are so good. Like, so good. Like, this is what, you know, AEW apparently does on AEW Dark, but they, they should be doing on their television. Like NXT fans know who Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler are. Like these video packages maybe aren't like super necessary because we kind of know who they are. We know their motivations. We've been following them for, for weeks, months, years, but they still do them to like further detail this stuff. This match feels so big too. Like huge. Um, in the words of our fucking president, it, it, I cannot wait for this match. I think it should headline next week. I don't. I doubt it will over Cole and a spoiler Finn Balor, but it feels so much bigger than that match. Um, yeah, I, I cannot wait for this match next week. 
Yeah, I'm sure that special will be really good too. You know, for all the, uh, for lack of a better word, bitching a lot of us will do about WWE, one thing we never dog them on is like these fucking like specials and these video packages because these things are always so good. No, they're fantastic at putting together. Like they have so much content. This is like, this is the issue is that they put this stuff on YouTube a lot of times or the network. And it's like, why isn't some of this stuff like making it on television? This stuff is so like the WWE 24 stuff, the WWE day of stuff, the, the 365, whatever. It's like the, all the same gimmick, but just under a different name. Like all that stuff is just awesome. It's like, why isn't some of this stuff like on television? Cause this is really fucking good. Yeah, I agree. It is. Um, so Got a Finn Balor promo. He was basically annoyed with Regal because he has to come back and prove himself again and earn a title shot. Ran Don Chiampa and Lee and said his future will be his past next week. And then during the break, we got footage of Angel Garza proposing to his girlfriend in the ring, and she accepted. So good for that, man. Yeah. The, Big night for who, him. Yeah, she pulled him off the market, man. Or he pulled himself off the market. That's right. Angel Garza could have had anyone he wanted. He tied himself down. I appreciate his commitment to uh, the marital bliss. There you go. Not Alexa bliss. Don't get confused. No, marital bliss. I mean, if he wanted Alexa bliss, though, that's a good-looking man, Angel Garza. Yeah, I mean, you know, Nigel will tell you so. Yeah, I'll tell you so. I'm comfortable enough in my heterosexuality to say Angel Garza is a good-looking man. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm happy for you. Anyway, we went back to the ring. Uh, Raul Mendoza defeated Cameron Grimes in a minute and 15 because Kushida came out and distracted Grimes, and Mendoza hit a Hurricanrana into a cradle for the win. I, I know hit it's... Hit him with the Jungle Boy finish. Yeah, I know it's a distraction. I really hate these kind of losses. I, I think Grimes should have been booked against somebody he could beat. I know it's continuing Kushida and Grimes, but it's not exactly exciting to me, and like... The big gimmick for the feud now is that Kushida stole his fucking hat. Well, I'd be pissed too if someone stole my hat, especially a hat as awesome as the hat Cameron Grimes has. Oh, come on now. That's a sweet fucking hat. What are you talking about? The hat's fine, but give me a little something more than that, you know? Yeah, I didn't like uh, Cameron Grimes losing either. Like, you should just beat the dude. Um, okay. Like, and then in the middle of his, his finish, like, Kushida steals the hat or whatever. But, or, you know, he kicks out and Kushida, like, steals the hat and then he still beats him or something. Either way, Cameron Grimes should have won this match, but he didn't. Uh, the, the, the stuff with the hat, I think, is hilarious. I don't know if, yeah, maybe you can build this feud a little bit better, but. Whatever, this hat's going to get over. Well, maybe it will, who knows. Got a Mia Yim promo backstage talking about Dakota Kai taking her out of war games. And uh, that their match tonight will not be a wrestling match, it's going to be a fight and Dakota will take a ride in an ambulance. And uh, she kind of wasn't was a good lying. promo. She wasn't lying. Yeah, it was a good promo too. Yeah. I will get a video for Travis Banks. He will represent NXT UK in the upcoming Worlds Collide preview match, which saw... Travis Travis Banks defeating Jackson Ricker of the fucking Forgotten Sons at 2:45 via pin. Good, and fine with Travis Travis Banks get the Forgotten Sons off my television. It was short. It was a fine little hype for Worlds Collide, and it did definitely did not need to be any longer. Yeah. 
But uh, that was one of those instances where, like, you want to talk about momentum of a show grinding to a halt? Here's the Forgotten Sons! <laughs> it's like... They suck. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, next up, we had our Dakota Kai versus Mia Yim match, where Dakota Kai ended up winning in 10 minutes via pin after she exposed the buckle and ran Mia into it. Thought they had a good little match, nice intensity to it that played off of their established feud, but we were not done yet, Jeremy, because... After the match, Mia Yim does not take the loss well. She attacked Dakota, beat her ass, took her up into the tech area, and then hit like a fucking backdrop driver through a table on the floor. They missed one of the tables, and I thought Dakota almost died. But yeah, a little bit rough, but it came off really well. Uh, match was good, and Dakota winning was obviously the right call. You can't beat her this early in her heel turn and she uses heel uh, tactics to win. So I was, I can always appreciate that. Mia Yim, I don't think loses anything by losing this match, especially with the, the post-match attack. Cause Mia Yim was like, I like, um, this is something Austin Aries talked about in, in his interview with uh, Chris Van Vliet, where he's like, I don't want to come off as a liar on television. So, you know, he thought he was going to beat John Morrison, Johnny impact, at Bound for Glory, because that was apparently the plan for months out. So every time on television, Aries would be like, I'm going to beat you, I'm going to beat you. Had he known that he was going to lose that match, he would have said something like, I'm going to embarrass you, because um, you can embarrass somebody while still losing. So to transition this back to NXT, Mia, Mia Yim says, you know, I'm going to take you out on an ambulance. And okay, like Mia Yim didn't win, but she did take her out on an ambulance. Like it's it's very uh, it's a fine detail like that, that that I can appreciate. Yeah, and she also said it would be more of a fight than a match, which it basically was. So. Yeah. So I again, Mia's promo looks even better in hindsight, and like this whole angle and uh, segment was was really good. Yeah, I uh, got a good Keith Lee video package hyping up tonight's main event. Next up, Brizongo defeated the Singh brothers at 14-15 via pin. It's like, I cannot escape these guys and fucking Arya Davari, man. Well, I, um, you shouldn't. The Singh brothers are Bollywood superstars. They're fucking horrible. I hate them. Brizongo were doctors this week. Yeah, and they were like the only good thing in the match. Well, that's half the match is good then. It was okay. I like it. It wasn't bad, but like the match was okay. It was short. The right team won. Fandango looks like all fired up and happy to be in NXT. So I like that too because he just he looks like he's having a good time. I think both of them are. Like oh, yeah. Xavier's hurt now, so Xavier can just go down to the PC for however long and just play video games with Breeze all day. So, yeah, I, I think they're they're both just very excited to be there collecting probably still main roster checks. I know Breeze is still getting uh, paid really well. And, I mean, it sucks that Xavier's hurt. He's awesome. But the fact that he's going to be spending more time at the PC, like – that's good for uh, Tyler Breeze because Breeze, you know, Xavier wanted Breeze on the the same roster as him for the longest fucking time because for the up, up, down, down stuff. And now he can just go there whenever he wants and like play video games. There you go. Got a really good Rhea Ripley video package, which he brought up earlier, um, hyping the match for next week. <clears throat> 
So I uh, like that a lot. And then next up, Bianca Belair defeated Caden Carter at 450 via pin. Uh, another short, okay match. Uh, Bianca looks great. She looks like a star still. They just need a direction for her going forward. Yeah, yeah, the heel turn stuff was good. You know, she was part of War Games, and that almost seems forgotten right now. The What sucks for Bianca is, like, the women's division is so good right now and the direction at the top is so strong i mean the the ripley and baszler stuff is i mean maybe the best stuff they're doing in the entire company including raw and smackdown you can definitely Um, make an argument for that i would not argue with you over it yeah even like the dakota kai stuff is, is excellent as well so you're already pulling uh basically everyone from the war games match right there so it, it kind of leaves bianca out a little bit like candace is candace is still there tied with dakota kai eo is, is still around like there's so much depth in this division that you can still stand out but you know there's only so much time that you can like be involved in a, in a meaty story and they've got two really meaty stories going on right now. Um, and, and so it, it hurts somebody like Bianca, but it is good that she's on television and, and getting some wins. Exactly. Again, uh, yeah, she looked really good there and just, uh, I hope that they lock her into some kind of direction. It doesn't even have to be a really deep story or anything. Just give her a direction. It can be as simple as, I'm going to keep beating motherfuckers till I get another title shot. Yeah. And I I just vocalize that. Right. I feel like that's the way they're going. I mean, she is, she's the EST. I think she'll just kind of keep beating some people and just kind of proven why she's the best and stuff. And then somebody will step up and challenge her or something. It's a, it's a very basic story, but it works. Yeah. Uh, Adam Cole arrived and then we got a good Tomasa Ciampa video package to set up our main event, which was, Finn Balor versus Keith Lee versus Tommaso Ciampa. Number one contenders match with the winner facing Adam Cole next week for the NXT Championship. Finn Balor won the match at 18-10 via pin. Uh, overall, I thought it was a great match. Uh, I thought everybody got to shine a little bit. Everybody delivered. They had a good crowd for it. 99 times out of 100, I absolutely hate the stealing the pin finish in a triple threat match. But this one was really good because Keith Lee hit a moonsault for a near fall. Then he hit the spirit bomb on Chiampa. And as he was like going for the pin out of the spirit bomb, Finn Balor just fucking flew in out of the heavens and double stomped his face in so he could win. So I thought the finish came off really well. I thought it was a great main event overall. I didn't even think it was like a stealing of, of, of the pen because when I think of that, I think of, oh, one guy hit his finisher and then they, the other guy tossed that guy out of the ring and then pinned the guy who got hit with the finisher. Like that's what I think of when I think stealing the pen. Like Balor hit his damn move here. Like he, he killed the man with the coup de gras. So I just thought Balor was just – he bided his time. He waited to where he could – uh, hit the, hit his move and then he won with his move so I, I didn't think it was stealing the pin at all um, that was a great match I, I'm fine with Balor being the, the victor here Champa, I feel like that's gotta you can slow burn that a little bit and I don't even mind that you know Champa lost to Balor um, 
and, and then you know he loses the triple threat match. You can kind of play into like, okay, is he is he still that same kind of badass that he was? Maybe you can play a doubt a little bit. Keith Lee had a ton of momentum coming out of Survivor Series, and then with the the pounce, I do worry that they almost cut that off a little bit. I don't think it's fully gone or anything like that, but they by having him lose here and lose in that that tag team he didn't lose um in the tag team match but his team did uh, losing in that tag team match like you, you've kind of not capitalized maybe the way you you could have capitalized um i'm gonna trust that they're they're telling a longer term story there but there there was certainly some momentum there that i feel is has is, is been lost but Beller and adam cole makes a lot of sense because of even just their their recent history uh, of what they've been doing is since Ballard came back to NXT like when Ballard confronted him his his first night back and then you know everything after that so I, I do think they did strike while it's kind of hot with Ballard that maybe the problem is like they just had three hot acts and only one could get the title match and they just went with Ballard yeah I agree with the momentum thing it worries me a little bit I'm hoping that they don't forget that because the other thing is Keith Lee did pin Roderick Strong prior to war games. So hopefully they can transition him into a North American title feud to kind of keep him in a main type of gimmick there. And yeah, I think they're, they're still doing the long play for the Chiampa match over mania weekend. So going with Finn now is fine. So next week, Jeremy, we have two title matches for NXT TV. We got Rhea and Shayna. We got Adam Cole and Balor. Are you going with the title change in the women's match and Cole retaining, or what are you going for? Because that's what I'm feeling. I would be stunned if Rhea Ripley doesn't win. Absolutely stunned. And not even like a good kind of stunned where, you know, it's like a quick knockout and a fight, and you're like, oh shit, like that just happened, but it was still cool. Like, I think it would be just a blown opportunity if Rhea Ripley doesn't win. She is red fucking hot right now in front of that full sale crowd as well. Like she will come off as the biggest star in the business if they put the title on her next week. Um, I I can't imagine them not doing it. I, I would again. I'd be stunned, and I, I think it would just be the the wrong call. Like I. You always pick against Shayna, and Shayna always wins. So maybe you should pick Shayna in, in this match. Um, but like, I, I, I sort of agree that it was good that they held the title on Shayna for so long because you know people thought she should have lost to Bianca, people thought she should have lost to Io, people thought she should have lost to Candice. And it's like all those wins now become even more impactful. But now you've got Rhea Ripley, who is like the person to do it. Bianca, Candice, Io, like they had some momentum. They had some good momentum. They didn't have momentum like this. Like no one has had momentum like this. They cannot screw this up by having Shayna win. I think it would be a huge mistake if Shayna won. Because you you kind of floundered the... Uh, the Keith Lee momentum coming out of Survivor Series weekend, and Rhea has even more momentum than he did. Came out of that weekend as a big star. I mean, Rhea wrestled Becky. She she beat Charlotte. She beat Shayna, and she beat Sasha. Like that was her week. 
Exactly. That's a pretty good week. You can't get much better than that in WWE in the whole women's thing. So it's like you. I think you have to go with the title change. I think again. I just think it would be a huge mistake because you can't hold it off. I think trying to hold it off to February is just a absolutely horrible mistake to hold it to a takeover. Because no. as you said, I mean, Rhea it has all the momentum. She feels like a big star, and I I do think that that title win will get over absolutely huge in full sale. Oh, one hundred percent! Like the the crowd's gonna go nuts for that title win. So I, they cannot screw this up. They they just can't. If they do, I don't know. Like I'm not giving up on NXT, but it's just it's a black mark on them if they screw this up. So, uh, so I agree. She should uh, Rhea should win. And is Adam Cole retaining? I'm a little torn. Like I. I I wouldn't hate a Balor win. This is one where I don't think they can do any wrong. Um, where Shayna and Rhea, I think Shayna would just be wrong to win. Uh, if Finn Balor wins, I think you have plenty of options going with him. If Adam Cole retains, like you still have options with Adam Cole. Um, you know, with the Balor stuff, like you kind of got the the feud with Champa uh, right there because Champa is going to be hot regardless. You, you've got the feud uh, with Gargano whenever he returns. Like that that feud might not need a title, but <laughs> it, it can it can boost that. A little bit and gargano chasing the title is just the easiest story in the world to tell um so you've there there's plenty of options no matter who they go with so i'm i'm not pressed either way on who wins this match yeah i i could see it possibly happening i don't think it is though but i could see it and you know maybe even if it's just a short run through february for finn it would be I think that's that's not a horrible call, but I mean, we'll see what happens. I think Cole's going to retain. I'll be interested to see how they do it. Uh, definitely looking forward to the match, and uh, obviously two very strong matches for next week. Set in stone. So, overall comparison for the evening, Jeremy. How did you see the action stacking up for December 11th? I preferred NXT this week. They had the the better match. I always go match and segment. And in this case, uh, the the Leo and Garza match was my favorite match. Segment was... I, I like the MJF segment the best on the two shows, but I also really like the, the Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, when you combine everything with that segment. Um, and then kind of a tiebreaker would be the, the triple threat match, which I think was the second best match of the week. So yeah, I, I liked NXT better this week. Again, AEW great show, but I'm going NXT. Fair enough. Uh, I thought it was extremely close this week. I thought, I thought dynamite was a good show that felt really consistent throughout in terms of the wrestling. I thought they continued a lot of angles and they did a good job of setting up matches for next week, including a tag title match. Plus, we had the good promo work from MJF and Jericho. So, uh, good show, definitely. I thought NXT also a good show this week. Um, NXT, for me, shined in terms of they had the better top-tier wrestling in terms of their opener and their main event. And I really liked the Mia Yim Dakota Kai stuff. But outside of the Mia Yim Dakota Kai stuff, I found the middle of the show a little kind of meandering and aimless. You had the 
the Raul Mendoza, Cameron Grimes, Kushida stuff, the Travis Banks, Jackson Ricker stuff, Brizon going to Sings and Bianca and Caden Carter, which there was nothing obviously actively wrong with these matches. They were just sort of there. And they didn't do a lot for me. And so that kind of, not necessarily hurt to show, but kind of took away from my interest a little bit. I think, again, you know, NXT had the really strong and great opener and main event. Overall, I think I would give AEW a very, very, very slight edge this week. But both good shows, uh, as every Wednesday, they're pretty much either good to great shows. So no major complaints from me, but I am going uh, AEW. Who's going to win the ratings? Yeah, I don't I don't know anymore, man. I feel like I'm just horrible at trying to predict ratings trends. Yeah, I, I feel that. I, I feel the same way that you're horrible at it. Fuck um, you. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's going to be AEW. Probably. You're acting like you're so much better at it. I'm not. I, 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 I wanted to make the joke that I feel you're bad at it, but really, I don't think I'm good at it either. Um, but I think it's going to be AEW. They, like they, the only weeks they've really lost were when WWE brought in all the uh, WWE guys, the Raw and SmackDown people, and then the, the Thanksgiving stuff, which we found out was just, it seemed to be a Thanksgiving thing and not just AEW's ran off. A bunch of viewers so until nxt can kind of win a week then i'm gonna gonna stick with aew but uh, it was close last week and nxt is certainly uh making uh catching up in the marathon and they're they're doing well because again they've set up uh you know even with just the two matches announced that's a strong lineup to build on next week yeah they had and they had matches announced for this week as well um i, I like i thought their announced lineup was better than AEW's announced lineup. Like that triple threat match was, you know, that was announced last week and it's like, Oh shit. Like that's a big match. Garza and Leo was announced last week. Like that, that was a big match. Dakota and Mia was announced and that was a big match. Um, AEW really the only, like they had the, the street fight announced and then they just made a number one contenders match. The, the night of the, the Cody QT Marshall blade and butcher. Like that's, I, I can't imagine many people like being super excited for that. And I think that was really the, the only two matches announced a week out. And then they added the Omega hangman match like two hours before the show started. And it's yeah. like, okay, but yeah, like the, the match lineup was, was certainly much better for NXT this week heading into the show. I definitely think if it's close again this week, like really close, like it was last week, I definitely think NXT has a shot next week because of those two title matches. I, yeah, AEW is loading up kind of next week too, though. Like they, they are, they, they are. But I mean, strong there, matches. There are some people that will look at the, the the NXT title matches though and may value that a little more. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh, AEW. Is, I mean, they're not putting on a dog of a show or anything. They got, excuse me, good stuff set up as well, but. It'll be really interesting. I, I just, I, I'm kind of fascinated as this all plays out, but we shall see, Jeremy. But yeah, I mean, I think AEW probably does win this week. I just, I don't know. I don't have any, like, big epiphanies to make about it, so. No way. 
All right, moving on, Jeremy. Uh, we already previewed stuff earlier in the week. We have a busy weekend. We have ROH Final Battles Friday, which we talked about already in our last episode. NWA Into the Fire, which we also already talked about. Tonight, we will preview what we know is on tap for WWE TLC 2019 taking place Sunday night, Jeremy. Are you excited at all for this show? Not right now. I'm fucking tired. <laughs> I don't want to hear. You're lucky I separated these shows. You were like, oh, I'm going to be up late. I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to get up in an hour to take my wife to the airport. I'm fucking, well, two hours, so I'd like at least like an hour power nap or something. Um, I it, It's it's a fine show. Like, it's, I, it's, it's whatever. Like, am I really excited for it? I think there's some good matches that I can get excited for, but it's it's nothing like i'm like oh yeah i'm really excited for this match there there's one match that i'm like excited for i don't think the the build has been like it's kind of been a mess but i'm still excited for it i will say there are two matches on this show i'm actually really looking forward to but we will talk about this whole card starting off with the viking raiders issuing an open challenge for the raw tag team titles it's going to be answered by the good brothers and the Viking Raiders are going to win. That is actually my thoughts exactly because the Good Brothers won the biggest and bestest tag team gauntlet match at Saudi Media, uh, beating the Viking Raiders. So it makes sense for them to revisit this and the Viking Raiders to get a little revenge. Um, next up, uh, it's not Lana on a pole, but it is a tables match. Lastly versus Rusev. Um, to be completely honest, I don't care about this match at all. I this think, angle sucks. Yeah, the feud has been horrible. I love Rusev, but he's a guy that's been horribly mishandled for what seems like years. You know, he's had good ma- matches. He's gotten himself over, but they just they don't know what to do with him when he gets to that point. You know, Lashley is a beast. The dude looks great. He has that MMA background. He could have been a guy that they could have really done a lot of big stuff with, but they just brought him in as another dude. He's a guy, he's there, he's in this horrible angle, and it feels like eons ago, since he was the guy in TNA having really good matches and, like, felt like a star, you know? Yeah, yeah. when Lashley, Lashley returned, everyone was like, oh, man, I know his WWE run didn't end all that well, and, like, he didn't seem like he was doing that well, but did you see his TNA stuff? Like, he was awesome. And so when he came back to WWE, people were like, he's going to be great. Like, just watch his TNA stuff. And, like, he hasn't done anything in WWE. And I'm with you on Rusev. He's, he gets himself over on everything, which is a, a testament to him. But they just – they don't know what they're doing with him. They they put him in this storyline. I like that he, like, just makes a joke out of this storyline. He's like, yeah, I realize this shit's kind of dumb, but I'm going to make the most of it out of it and i can appreciate rusev for that um i i think i think lashley wins because like lana interferes or something i i have no idea in my heart i pray and hope that this is a one-off and rusev wins so we can all move on but that's they're gonna they're gonna turn they're gonna turn lana they're gonna do the uh they're gonna do the uh the punk and and brian spot where lana pushes them both through the table well there you go if you get that right you can take a big victory lap sunday night (laughs) 
<laughs> That's my official prediction. Lana pushes them both through the table, and she's just like, I'm not anybody's sex addict or sex toy or anything like that. I'm an independent, strong female. You're not going to lock me in a shark cage, and I am here to take over. Boom. Book it. There you go. I mean, yeah, I think Lashley's going to end up winning, and they're going to continue this on through eternity. So, But let's talk about good things, Which Jeremy. Which sounds like a real divorce. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about good things. Alistair Black versus Big Match Buddy Murphy. I mean, yeah, I'm excited. It should be good. It's just Alistair Black just feels like a guy right now who they don't really know what to do with, so he's like getting people to knock at his door. <laughs> it's kind of dumb. And Buddy was like, cool when he beat brian and then he was off tv for a while and then he just came back and he knocked on alistair's door like uh i like both guys i think both guys are great i think this will be a really good match even if they only get like eight minutes because they can work a nice little sprint but i'm not like enamored with either guy's character so i'm not like oh yeah i really can't wait for this match Sure, the booking around them sucks, but I do think they'll have a really good, possibly great match. Looking forward to it. Uh, I have so they get like I, six minutes, and then it's like, oh, shit, that sucked. Well, if it gets more than that, it's going to be great, but I have Aleister Black winning. Yeah, I think I think Black wins. Again, you give them eight minutes, it'll be good. Anything over eight minutes, it'll be more than good. We have the New Day defending against the Revival for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. It's not the freshest of matches, you know. They've been they've done it before. They've done it on SmackDown. Um, at the very least, I think it will be good. It could be great because New Day are over. They deliver on pay per view, and we know that the Revival are still a great tag team despite their completely inconsistent booking. So we'll see what happens here. I think they'll be out to try to steal the show if they get the time. Um, it because it's not the most loaded of cards, so. Hopefully they get a little bit of time, like Murphy and um, Black. Hopefully they get a lot of time. I could definitely see a, I could definitely see a title change coming because the whole New Day title run really feels like, hey, sorry or hey, Kofi, we're sorry we jawed you in five seconds to Brock, and you guys are still over, so we need you on TV. So I could definitely see them losing. Plus you have Heavy Machinery and Ali and Gable coming together as babyface tag teams. They could have matches with the Revival. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either way, but I'll actually pick the Revival to win here. It'll be a good match because both teams are really good. I did like Revival's promo on SmackDown. I thought that was a really good promo. Uh, I don't care about this match. I feel like I've seen it a million times. And okay, it's good just about every time. It could probably be better just about every time. It's just I don't need to, to see this anymore. I'm with you. I think Revival wins just because... WWE likes to hot potato a lot of these titles and make Reigns feel kind of... Revival would be like four-time tag team champions, right? Four or five times. However many times they won the title. I can't tell you like a memorable run that they actually had where it's like, oh man, remember that hot Revival feud for the tag team titles? It's just like they win them. They, they maybe win a couple of matches and then they, they lose them. And the cycle repeats itself. Like, that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah, hard to disagree with that. Next up, Bray Wyatt versus The Miz. Yeah, can't wait. (laughs) 
Am I supposed to talk more about this match? At least give me a winner. <laughs> oh, um, I, I think it's interesting that it's Bray Wyatt wrestling and not the fiend. Uh, I am interested in seeing like how Bray Wyatt is different because I guess we're supposed to believe the fiend is like the superhero who can't be killed. So like is Bray Wyatt just like a normal dude? And if that's the case, like maybe you can sell Miz as a winner more than you typically would. Like I want to see there be different mannerisms out of Bray Wyatt. Like I, if he's no selling a bunch of shit like he does as the fiend, then like what's the point? It's, it's the same dude. Like the, you're not differentiating the two characters and I'm led to believe they are like two separate people. Um, so I think that's kind of the drawing point of this match. Like, I mean, Bray's going to win. They're not going to have fucking Miz win. I guess that's a non-title match. So maybe you can, I mean, maybe that's the gimmick is like, Hey, Miz beat regular ass Bray Wyatt. So now the fiend is coming to murder this man. Yeah, so I, I guess like unless things change, as you said, this is supposed to be Bray Wyatt and it's supposed to be non-title. So it's Bray Wyatt and The Miz. And I'm really torn on it because as you kind of mentioned, it's like on one hand, I think you could create some fascinating character death with the duality of the personalities here. But then again, I have like absolutely no faith in WWE's creative writing or storytelling to properly do that. I mean, I hope they do. I hope I'm wrong, but... No, I, like, I, I'm with you because we remember back to the SummerSlam match and, you know, the Fiend is trying to use Sister Abigail, but he gets, like, the voices in his head and it fucks him up. And then that's when Balor took control and then the Fiend turned back into the Fiend. And it's like, oh, man, they're, like, you can see the difference in the character. And then by the time he wrestles Seth Rollins, like, he's just using Sister Abigail and it's, like, not a big deal. And then he's, like, some superhero monster guy who nothing gets affected with him. So I don't have any confidence that they, they can tell this type of story. Yeah, so obviously this is a stopgap feud until the quote-unquote new Daniel Bryan returns. Hopefully it's Daniel Bryan of ROH fame being bald with the cape. That'd be great. I don't care which Daniel Bryan is. Just just give me Daniel Bryan back. I assume he makes an appearance here and just, I don't know how, but I think he'll, he'll come out here. And maybe he beats up Bray Wyatt and then The Fiend is coming out for revenge or something. Yeah, I mean, in theory, though, Bray should be weaker in his non-fiend form, which I suppose allows Miz to be somewhat creative here and not get steamrolled. Um, I don't exactly have a lot of hopes for this. My only hope is that there's going to be no red lights during it. Yeah, I, I hope that as well. Miz sucks as this baby face. Like, he's a good baby face. He's fine. Uh, he did, he sucked. They, they've done nothing with him. Jeremy, feuding with Shane McMahon will ensure he gets over. I was told that months ago. Uh, yeah, that that worked. All right, next up, a TLC match. It's the big dog, Roman Reigns, yeah. versus King Corbin. Now, listen, I've been really critical of WWE's basically lack of ability or desire to evolve the Roman Reigns character, especially when he was coming back off of the leukemia thing. And I thought that... I thought that not only is the story of him coming back and overcoming great, but I thought you could have freshened up his character a little bit. And they just, they haven't done that. And they have. He's an actual big dog now. <laughs> so, I mean, 
on one hand, I, I do appreciate that they didn't rush him back into just being a super top spot guy. Because number one, you need to let him time to get back into the swing of things, get back into the schedule. And you didn't want to run into those backlash issues. But on the other hand, he's he's kind of been just a guy. I, he doesn't... like I like Roman. He's not like feeling like a star. And it's not on him. It's on the booking. It's just like... The most interesting thing he's done since he's been back to me has been that Buddy Murphy match on SmackDown, which was great. And I uh, just the the Undertaker stuff was good. Sure, that was a good match. It was fine. And then you got fucking King Corbin here, who people bought into as being a great worker that was always great, following a couple good matches with Chad Gable. It's like, listen, he was wrestling Chad fucking Gable. Just because he put together a couple good matches does not mean the King Corbin was always a great fucking worker. Because he wasn't and he isn't. That's not what it is. And also it's like, why the fuck is this a TLC match? Yeah, they're going after the dog food. Why? First <laughs> of all, it's it, this is stupid. Okay, yeah, Roman is really good in wild plunder stuff. I don't have a lot of faith with Corbin involved in a TLC match. Second of all, TLC matches are extremely hard to pull off with in one-on-one matches. And add in that there's no real stipulation or stakes to the match, I don't feel like I should care. It's just, it's a fucking match. It's been built off of lame heel work by Corbin, involving chihuahua jokes and a fucking dog mascot and dog food, while Jesus looks, or like Roman Reigns looks like Jesus covered in shit on on the post. (laughs) It's a plunder no DQ match. I, I suppose that Corbin could, you know, allegedly, he could win this because it's not a pin or whatever. I mean, it's not non-DQ and all that bullshit. You could have, uh, I would say you could have Rude run in, but he's on a vacation. It's going to be Bobby Rude under in the dog mascot costume. There you go. But it's like, I think, I mean, you could have Corbin win, but I think that would be really dumb. I think Reigns should just win destroy him hopefully it doesn't go too long and get the big dog on track for wrestlemania season i think it'll be a a good match um not saying like great or anything but they'll they'll do enough smoke and mirrors so roman's good Uh, i think everyone just accepts roman's good especially in like these kind of brawl plunder matches like roman roman shines in these matches typically and corbin Corbin's been good this year. Um, he's been fine. I shouldn't say good, but he's had, he's had some good matches this year, and uh, I think he's another guy who can kind of shine in in this little aspect where it's just like a lot of brawling. You you do some cool looking spots. The crowd chants, "This is awesome!" or "Holy shit!" and you go from there. I I'm kind of looking. I like I'll, I'll I don't know how this is supposed to come off, but like I watched. Corbin on WWE backstage and I grew to like the guy. Um, I think he's a, a fine, like, all right, the King Corbin stuff is whatever. Some of it's very cringe worthy, but I like Baron Corbin kind of as a person and his attitude. 
And so because of that, like I, I'm just kind of more willing to just accept that's who he is as a, as a character almost as well. And I, I think he's, he's fine. And I, I, I'm a, I, I like Roman. I, I've always been a mark for, yeah, I'll use the term, uh, a mark for like the top guys who are pushed really heavily, like John Cena, because John Cena is the goat. Uh, and so I, I like Roman as well. Um, I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to the, the like sort of looking forward to this match, and I think it'll be fine. I, and I think Cor or not Corbin, uh, Rain should win because you gotta give him this big victory here. You you, you put him on the WrestleMania. You you put him in the Royal Rumble. He wins that. We get the big dog back where he belongs at the top of the Mania card, baby. Defeating the fiend. Sure, defeating everybody. He's the big dog. You got. You do have to do something with this fucking mascot in this match, though. Like, I think that that would be kind of a mistake. Like, if you're gonna do that stupid mascot gimmick, then you gotta run it back, and you gotta have Roman like Superman punch him or something, because the crowd will pop for that. As dumb as it might seem, like the crowd will pop for that. What if King Corbin tries to be a super smart dude, and he actually has two giant furry big dogs at ringside? But then he gets foiled, and it's actually the Usos. Um, that sure, that's fine. I, I guess know. I mean, just, they're going to do something to try to cover it up, and at least they would do some entertaining shit. I thought you said furry big dog. Like I thought you meant like actual dogs that he's going to have at ringside. Should have ran like, back be, a kennel in a hell or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'd be fine. The dogs are shitting everywhere in that match. <laughs> All right, and then uh, yeah. the, the other match on this card is another TLC match with the champions, the Kabuki Warriors versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte, Jeremy. Yeah, this is the match that I am looking forward to, even though I have some gripes with like how we got to this point. But should be a great match. A TLC match, I guess, makes more sense because you're you're at least putting titles on the line. I really don't like the 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 concept of oh, this is our just monthly pay-per-view with the, the gimmick name, so we have to do these gimmick matches. I think it's kind of dumb, and I always think, I've always thought it's kind of dumb, but here we are. Uh, I think this match will be great. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And Ronda Rousey returns. That is uh, definitely a possibility. There have been a lot of rumors about that. I am going with the Kabuki Warriors retaining... At the end of the match, Becky Lynch will be atop the ladder, Jeremy. She will be close to getting the championships. And then she gets fucking missed it again. Or she gets missed it here by Asuka. And that will set up the Royal Rumble title match with Asuka. Yeah, possibly. I, I could certainly see that. We do need that uh, Becky and Asuka one-on-one -on -one match. I, I do think the Kabuki Warriors win. My whole theory is, if you recall, last year at TLC... Rhonda came out, tipped the ladder with uh, Charlotte and, and Becky on it, and that allowed Asuka to win. And I think they, they call back that moment this year. They very well could do that, and that would be a really good throwback. So I think we have uh, good endings booked overall, Jeremy, either way. Yeah, I'd assume this match headlines. I don't know why you would headline with anything else, honestly. And here's the thing, too. I know people were down on the women main eventing following Survivor Series because the match was just there and it disappointed and stuff. But the thing is, is this is a little different because this one will have the added uh, the added effort of all the gimmicks and stuff 
And I also think that this match just has a way better chance of being really good than the triple threat match did. This match also has Charlotte Flair. Who? Charlotte oh, Flair. Oh, Andrade's girlfriend. Oh, okay. Sure. She's good. Like, let's be honest. Charlotte is... She She's really fucking good. And I'm not saying, like... Becky, Asuka, and Kyrie aren't good because they obviously are. Um, Charlotte is just an absolute star, and she's kind of proven herself to be the, the there's a reason why they push her so much because she's really good. I've heard big the name. Fan Sounds of, big fan of Charlotte. Yeah, heard, heard, heard the name. Sounds familiar. She, she might be okay. But no, seriously. I mean, I do think it'll be really good. It could be a great match because I think that. I think in that environment, it'll just be really beneficial because not only just smoke and mirror wise, but you're going to have a ton of stuff to play with. They're obviously going to tease like Kyrie doing that elbow again, like she did on raw. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this and Alistair black and buddy Murphy, the most out of anything on this card. I'm looking forward to the two TLC matches, the big dog and the King and the Kabuki man Queens. All righty. That's what so, I'm. That's, so you, that's their team name, the Man Queen. So you and Baron Corbin's mom are looking forward to the TLC match with them. How dare you hate on Big Banter, Baron Corbin? Obviously, yeah. I just I, I have a hard time getting into the guy. I'm not. I I don't think he sucks by any means. And again, I agree. He had some good matches this year, but I just hate that once somebody that is usually not that great has a couple good matches, all of a sudden they're like. We've been underrating him for years. He's been great this whole time. It's like, well, no, no, let's little perspective, guys. You know, he's he's fine. I just, yeah, I don't, I, I don't I think, think that's that, the case. I just think, hey, guys can improve, and I think he's improved. Well, no, and I, I'm not disagreeing with that again. I just, but there is this like big narrative that all of a sudden he was great. It's like keep a little perspective. I also think the other thing that hurts him is like they give him some of the dirt fucking worst verbiage to read on screen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they do that with a lot of people. Cause I agree. I agree. Like I've heard him do interviews and stuff and he seems like an interesting fucking dude. And it's they like, showed clips. They showed clips of him beating the shit out of guys at Arizona Cardinals practices. And I'm nice. like, who, who, who is fucking with big banter over here? Like he, he was breaking down his fights that he was having in practice. It's like, you got to uppercut him because you know, they got a helmet on. But if you hit him with an uppercut, it, you're not as protected down there, and you can possibly knock the helmet off that way. Like he knocked this dude's helmet off with an uppercut. Like, like in big banter, knows what he's doing. There you go, shoot fighter Corbin, man. But yeah, no, he does seem like a really interesting dude from stuff I've seen on like the network and stuff. I just it's like some of that writing for a lot of these people is just so bad. It, it is not even bad in terms of this isn't how real people talk. It's just like. It's bad scripting for TV, period. You know, and I just, I wish he had some better stuff to work with because he is like, he looks like an asshole. You can believe he's an asshole. And I think if he actually had some good dialogue to deliver, that he would be really effective. But the way that they portray him, I just find it really hard to care. And again, hope, uh, let me tell you, I'll give the guy credit, man. If they have a good match Sunday, I'll be the first to tell you because I'll be fucking thrilled. I don't want to watch shitty wrestling. You know, I mean, I just great match on Sunday. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're lying, but I mean, <laughs> I think it can be good, but I'm just, I'm not looking forward to it. I just, and I hope it's not horribly overbooked either. I mean, I'm, it's a TLC match. It's going to be overbooked. Yeah, well, hopefully Dolph stays away with his stupid fucking fox hat. I, I just want the mascot. If I get a Superman punch on the uh, the mascot, it's a it's a ten star match for me. Well, there you go. I mean, I'm fine with that. So that is a TLC, which takes place Sunday night. Jeremy and I will be back Sunday night. We will break down ROH Final Battle, NW into into the Fire, as well as WWE TLC. So thank you guys for listening to the show. This was the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, 411mania.com, all major podcasting platforms. Please make sure to subscribe and share it to the show. Or subscribe to the show. Share us around on social media. Just totally fucked that up. Anyway, have a good laugh at the end of the show. Thank you guys so much. Leave us a five-star review. And we appreciate your time. Have a good week. And uh, enjoy the weekend of wrestling. <laughs>